Are you deprived, perhaps discombobulated, maybe even distracted? You want more from life, from relationships, from God. Whether you're in a season searching for purpose or perhaps know your purpose but feeling lackluster or lost in the execution of it, this podcast was created for you. In fact, this isn't just a podcast, it's a movement, and we're on a mission to find the lost, welcome them in, and launch them into their greatest destiny, fully found in Him and founded on the rock. This is a table for a multitude of marketplace ministers to come together for fresh revelation, resources, and revival. Get ready to catch the fire and live fully free, fully found. This is the Founder Collective. Y'all, you're about to hear the beautiful bride of Joseph Stallings. And uh, she was just, well, they were both at an incredible encounter. And she was just talking about the garden. And we were like, stop right now. Hold up. We need to go. We need to press record. And so I just want her to keep flowing, Jay. She was like telling me what yeah. she was talking about and what the Lord was given. Yes, she is. Hello. Um, so what the Lord was sharing with me is that he just wants us to enter into his garden. And when you enter into his garden, that, that means it's one alignment with him. Because even in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they walked with him in the cool of the day. And there were so many uh, women that I saw that were flowers, but they, the Lord was watering them as flowers. And as he was watering them, the soil was becoming more rich. They began to grow and sprout and blossom in beautiful ways. And that's what he wants. He wants to sit with us. He wants to sup with us. And it's like a table for two. He sets it for me. I set it for you. And in this in this garden time, that's where we're watered. That's where mm. he um, frees us from things. That's where we're able to realize who we are in him, what he has called us to, because we're open and we're rooted. And this garden is a safe place. A lot of people, they don't trust because of things, but he even wants to take the trauma. He wants to take the traumas away in the garden. He wants to heal the little girls, the little boys, and the adult people. And that was one of the things he was really showing me. He really wants to go through things because a lot of the issues that a lot of it comes from trauma from our childhood. Mm-hmm. And he is really wanting to take us to the root, uproot it, and replant his word, mm-hmm. which is living every single day. And so it was just such an amazing experience to um, have the ladies kind of close their eyes and picture whatever garden that <laughs> they had with the Lord. So one lady was a garden full of strawberries. You know, it could be, it could be what, a flower garden, a, a vegetable garden, it, whatever kind of garden. They were in white dresses. One lady had a white dress and boots, but she felt the peace and the love of a woman said when they were in the garden, they felt the peace and the love and the acceptance of God. And he wants us to know that, he, that we are accepted, that we are loved, that we are not orphans. We are his daughters and his sons. He loves us with his love, and nobody can take that away. Nobody can. He is such a good father, and he loves unconditionally. And we can't look at our natural fathers as Abba Father. Right. Yes. So there was a, a, a time I had with the Lord, and he was, he was standing in the garden, and he had like the butler, you know, thing on his, I don't even know what it's called, 
cloth towel, whatever, and he opened up the gate for me, and I and I walked in, and it was beautiful, 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 and he pulled the chair out for me, and we sat down, and he was feeding me strawberries. I love strawberries. It's just the love in his eyes that I see, and he sat across me at this table, and he put his hand on my hand, he's just rubbing my hand across like that, just smiling at me, and for a moment, I'm like, this kind of weird, you know, like, the way he's looking into my eyes, rubbing my hand, he said, no, 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 but I'm up. This is safe. Mm. You know, and there was another time where I, he showed me, he took me to a carnival. And you know the thing where you take the big hammer and you bang it and it makes bang up the top? Yeah. Well, he just came in and touched it and it just <laughs> blew the whole thing out. Yes. Right? And then I love cotton candy, so it was like this little, little bitty stick and this huge cotton candy. And he gave me the cotton, because he knows I love cotton candy. <laughs> and he was winning all the prizes for all the people that were there. So oh. everybody got a prize. Not like you play the game and, oh, I missed it. No, you, you got a prize. That's you know, amazing. And it's that, kind of, it's that kind of love. It's that kind of, you know, like, because I'm a daughter, it's like you're a daddy's girl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. And he loved his daughters. He, he loves his daughters, and he loves his sons, too, because there was one vision I saw recently where he was doing all these, like, cool handshakes with his sons. Like, you know how dad, it was almost like he was doing those little, I don't know, like, the TikTok dances, but he was doing it with his <laughs> yeah. sons, and even the sons had joy. Uh, so, men, so the Lord wants to talk to the little boy in you. Mm -hmm. He wants to love that young man in you. Mm -hmm. He wants to have his own unique, cool handshake with you. You know, it's like, <laughs> what's up, Pop? Whatever you, however you do it. But he yes. children, you know? Yeah. So it's just amazing, just the love that he has for each and every one of us. Thank you so much for sharing, y'all. It's so good when you hear the the fire that somebody has, like the ember that sparked when we're in places like this, safe havens like this, places of prophetic anointing like this. And like you said, just experiencing the garden. The garden is something that we don't have to wait to go somewhere to experience. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience. And I had this conversation sitting on my couch recently with a friend, actually, Madeline, and I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, and I, I don't want to say that it's like religious oppression that would limit this understanding. Maybe it's just not spiritual maturity, but I, I find this person to be wildly mature. At least I think that they are in their spiritual walk. And I asked if she believed that heaven could exist on earth and she was flat out. She's like, no, I'm like, but we, we say the Lord's prayer and we're literally asking heaven to come to earth and have his will be done why would we not be able to experiencing it now? Why are, why would we be waiting for this like day, one day I'll go to heaven and then my life will be good. What is your thought pattern on that? Especially having in those encounters uh, with the garden. I believe that we can have heaven on earth. I believe that like the word says, when, I be, when, when we lift him up, he draws all men unto him. Mm -hmm. And in him is, the beauty of heaven and earth. So I just believe that you can have that experience, that you can have your, I mean, like even the song that Jay is saying, I'm calling on heaven right now. Yeah. Jesus, have heaven come down. 
And I think when his angels come, that's the piece of heaven coming down. Yes. When he, when, when someone is free, when someone's being delivered, that's heaven coming down. Because Jesus, you know what I'm saying? He's, totally. He lives, he lives in heaven. So he's omnipresent. So I feel like we can have that in the earth. I feel that we really can. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, definitely. I think that we have heaven on earth. I don't think that we need to pray pointless prayers. So as the Lord said, our, our Father with our heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, your will be done. That means that his kingdom comes down here and it takes precedence over the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, and yeah. so that is calling heaven down, right? When I believe that we are a part of heaven that is on the earth. That's what I believe, right? If I walk in the authority that Abba gives me, then I'm walking in the authority of heaven. So that means that that is heaven on earth. I think that people only have perspective, like, but that's the thing, right? I don't sing songs that I don't have revelation in. That's good. And sometimes people don't have that revelation in that part because they haven't walked in the full potential that they are called to walk in. And even if somebody is seasoned, they've only gone to a certain point. They've only gone to a certain point. That's good. I talked to a whole bunch of like people who cooked this weekend, right? Yeah. They were, they like to cook. I love to cook. So we were giving each other these tips about certain things mm. that help the revelation of cooking that certain thing, so right? Good. That is heaven on earth. When we get to come into the revelation of a part that we didn't have revelation in before, right? I don't know everything, but when I talk to you about, uh, when I talk to you about things, I get revelation. When you right. talk to me, you get revelation. That's the, that mosaic, right? And like, we're slowly piecing together his beauty, his face, his radiance is like coming through conversations like this, coming through encounters like Madeline had, coming through the founder con, coming through these different opportunities. And I think that's where when we say, and, and well, I don't say, he says, Matthew says, seek his face, right? Seek him, seek ye first the kingdom of yeah. heaven and his righteousness. But if we are only gathering with people who are of uh, immature faith, if we are only going to places that serve our flesh rather than serve our spirit, if we're only putting our attention towards these other places, then we always are going to have a limited perspective of said flavoring. Speaking to the chef analogy, like I, I used to get the boxed, uh, you know, meals that would come in. Hello, chef was probably one of my favorites. We've gotten some other ones, and this is not a this is not an advertisement. Just so you know, <laughs> but I used to get them, and I, I after I used those boxes for several months. I had kind of honed in on only one flavoring because the seasoning was exactly the same all the time. And it wasn't until Gary came back into the kitchen after our season of, of me being in there often where I'm like, well, this tastes different. This is new. Thank God I don't have to cook like that anymore. Right. And so it's this process of maturity and becoming. And it's so, that's such a perfect and simple scenario and analogy. Expanding our palates, expanding yeah, our understanding, there right? There's, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to one of Madeline's mentors this weekend. I had never sat down and talked to her. Madeline talks to her all the time, but this is the first time that I've met her in person. And we got to sit down and have a conversation over coffee this morning. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about there's two sides of the road. There's the side of a rebellion and then there's the sides of the self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. And she was like, they're on the same road. They're just on different sides. 
And sometimes we can go as Christians, as people who go to church, we can definitely veer off into the self-righteous, but that's still a ditch. Yep. Yep. Right. Or we can go into the rebellion. I'm not going to listen, but that's still a ditch. It is still a ditch. The thing that keeps you off the road from heading into those heavenly places, from heading into getting to know the father more. Like, and I'm like, I don't want to be in the ditch. Lord, I don't want to be in the ditch. So expand, expand my palate. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Expand my palate because I want to taste all of you. I just don't want to taste the sweet part. I just don't want to taste the savory part. I want to taste the hotness. I want some of those chili. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I want to taste all, I want to taste all of you. So, so good. And I think understanding that and those different flavors, I mean, I was just talking to someone, we were on a a live virtual event with like 85 people and he had like this blue, beautiful bottle. It looked like a wine bottle of sparkling water. And then he had these little mini uh, shots and it looked like he was literally taking shots, but it was like ginger, lemon, orange, you know, all the flavorings that are really good for you. And he had to do a disclaimer. He's like, I know that like you guys might be thinking I'm drinking over here. This is wine water. This is healthy shots for my voice. And I was thinking in that perspective, I'm like, oh man, I used to take shots of wheatgrass and anytime new people would come over, I'm like, try this. I don't know if Gary ever served you up some apple Bragg's vinegar when you came over, but he used to do that for people. And I was always like, babe, that is so mean, but you cannot enjoy, you can't enjoy the sweetness until you know what bitter tastes like. Right? (laughs) I'm just saying, right? And that's the thing is we all want this like savory life. We all want it to be easy and walk in the garden in the cool of day. And the Lord wants that for us too. But because of sin and the situation in which we have put ourselves into, we get both and. And yet if we seek and if we continue to press in and on towards his prize rather than the secular space, I mean, we can, I can choose to walk in rebellion and it might feel fun for a minute when I'm playing with the pigs, but I am constantly crawling my way out because I know what the retribution is on the other side of that. Same with self-righteousness. So it's like, why do people, why do people consistently walk in the ditch and then play in the mud it's because an element of that, just like the element of said wheatgrass or element of whatever that is, there's like, was that good? Maybe that was good. And they keep going after that. Now it's habitual. Now, and I know you know about this, Madeline, now we have to work with our neuroplasticity and rewire and rewrite that old story that has now become habit, which feels really hard because we don't even know what it feels like to walk in the cool of the day. We don't even understand what sweet and savory actually is when it comes to Christ and knowing him. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And the thing too is that, you know, when we walk in these, these ways that are, that, you know, is this, you know, that trip us up, like he can change the verdict for you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He, and that was, and, and that was what I talked about. It's a process because, change the burden for the woman with the issue of blood, right? We don't know the process that it took her to get through the crowd. We don't know the pain, right? But she did it anyway. Mm. Sometimes in order to stop what we're doing, we have to do an about face. Come on. And we have we have to walk away. Now, is it going to be hard? Yes, ask any ask any um 
alcoholic yeah. that's going to Alcoholics Anonymous. anonymous you know what I'm saying? Ask anyone who needs to break soul ties. Yeah, there you go. Ask me how I know. You know it's, <laughs> hard. it's hard, but if you ha- it was it was her face that made her whole. Come on. It wasn't touching his garment. It was her face that made her whole. It was my faith to know that I know I'm not liking this right now. Because this stuff right here will get you in trouble every single time. But when I say, God, I don't see this, but I trust you. Yeah. And then you just keep walking in it. And I told someone, I said, I don't care if you take gaseous steps. Just little <laughs> steps. Gacious. As long as you are making forward momentum. The prodigal was making forward momentum after he realized that he was with the pig and wasted all of this stuff away. But yep. that forward momentum, God was already waiting for him. He is already always waiting for us when we walk away. And just like the the the, the, the Jews of Israel, there was a hot mess, and they had to have some kind of ruler to govern yep. them because when they didn't, they would just act a fool. But every single time they cried out to God, every single time he showed up, every single time, time he changed the verdict for them because he could have wiped them away like he did with Noah and their, but he didn't because he's so compassionate. And so even in breaking the soul ties and stepping away from habits, we have to know that the source of our healing is not ourselves. It's not, you know, some kind of self Help, both those things yeah. help, but the source of our healing is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we have to always be desperate for him. We can never, like, he's God when things are amazing, and he's still awesome God when things suck. Come on. So good. You know because I mean? we're the ones who's always shifting. He's He stays the same. Right. So that compassion, that love, that mercy, and we're like mad at God. And God's like, why are you mad at me? I'm still the same one who knit you together in your mother's womb. You loved me then. Why don't you yep. love me now? That's our choice. I want to speak yeah. to these two words because I was in a conversation earlier in the Founder Collective and it, it got a little, you know how there's like that tension and you're like, I don't really know if I agree with what they're saying, but I love them. So I'm going to listen to them. This happens a lot with Jay and Anthony when we're having conversations, I'm sure between husband and wife all the time, every day. But the conversation was between the word surrender and the word submission and how a lot of people say that they surrender to God. I surrender it to God. And there's even that song, I surrender all, which Anthony said he's holding tight to even with the shift in perspective. But the word surrender shows up in the the Bible predominantly in the Old Testament. And when it does come in the New Testament, if you go back to the root words and what was happening at that point, it actually means submission, but it's been changed in context to surrender. Surrender is only connected to something when you are forfeiting and you are surrendering to an enemy. You're saying there's two, there's two, there's a war, there's a battle. One side surrenders and they now have to come into ownership, perhaps slavery of said authority versus submission is mm-hmm. when you submit to Jay, right? Wives mm-hmm. submit to your husband. They're not saying that you have a, an authority that is superseding you that isn't also calling you into the co-heir with Christ scenario, right? 
we co-heir, so we surrender to our husbands. They're just having, or I'm sorry, submitting to our husbands. They're just having us co-heir, coexist in said understanding. And Christ wants us to submit, but he is not asking us to come against his authority. He is not overtaking us as an enemy territory. Submission has a choice. Surrender is forced. I want to hear as you're talking about this and you're going through like we have a choice in our submission to Christ, but surrendering sometimes can be of an enemy tactic. You've surrendered to the oppression. You've surrendered to the, the lies of the enemy rather than submission being I submit to your will, God. I yield to your will. I'd love to hear the variable in your all's understanding of surrendering to God versus submitting to God, and what does that speak to you? Okay, so for me, when I think of surrendering to God, right, so for me, every I take down my shield, I take down my sword, I think that is the thing, right, because we all battle something, right, yeah. and surrender is not a very comfortable thing, so I think it's the word that is used to help you understand submission is way different than surrender. Right? Yeah. It's very different. Is like, right. Uh, and, and, and surrender is like, you know what? So I feel like submission is somebody has to, you know, I was a wrestler, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, sure. And, and all that kind of, so submission is somebody made me tap out. I submitted. Mm. They submitted me for me. Right. That's the thought I get. But when I talk about surrender, I feel like I do it on my own. Mm. I feel like surrender is a choice and I feel like submission is, it, it made me. And sometimes God submits me. Yeah. That's life, good. Right? Sometimes it's full. He submitted me. That's good. And then sometimes it's all surrender. Yeah. So I think that they're, I think that they're both relevant in life. Right. Right. Because like, if God says, I want you to go, I do not want to do that. Right. And I do it anyway. Yeah. That is surrender for me. But if I feel like uh, the Lord's like, do this, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And eventually it happens and he submitted me. Mm, that's good. So that's, just, that's, that's me. And yeah. That's my understanding of it. And I, like I said, I feel like everybody has a different perspective of everything. You know what I mean? And that's why it's important to have those type of conversations. Yeah, I think it's really powerful. I think what people had come to this understanding as they were like unpacking it. And of course it was like a room of 20 people. So it was neat to hear everybody's perspectives. And one of them was that surrender is a surrender to self and submission mm. is a surrender to a higher authority, which is God. Uh, and so when you're laying down your sword, you're laying it down because you figured out that that sword doesn't serve you. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, so submission that. is saying, Holy Spirit, come, and I want to use your truth, which is the sword of the Spirit, and you're now submitting to his authority, to his will, to his way, to his power. Mm, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that. I do. It was hard. It was, it's hard to process, but I think it's important because it kept coming to light, and I kept being like, why is everyone saying surrender? And I wonder if often some, and I say often, sometimes often we hear and me being newer in my faith to you all, we, we create this Christianese language, right? Oh, yeah. I, 
I, I sit underneath the pastors that I listen to. And when I listen to them, I end up adopting their understanding of something versus me going to the Holy Spirit, me going to the word and having my own personal revelations connect yeah. to that. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important when we look to language specifically, because the, the new passion translation, the message translation, I'm like, that sounds good. But is that what that really meant? Mm. That's good. Yeah. Cause I think we can yeah. get away from truth in that way because we're trying to self-serve a cultural language that feels better i noticed that when um like my mentor whenever she's looking for a certain passage there's sometimes that no i don't because the wording of it i need yeah. to go back to king james because that was the one that was like the first one yeah now i believe that you know there are different like interpretations and you know um what is where we paraphrase and stuff right. like that so i think for people in the beginning when they're coming into christ they're not familiar with the word finding a version that helps your mind understand it yeah it's good and as you mature and you learn then you can go to like the, the real source yeah. <laughs> which is you know the king james version but you know i i, I do sometimes like when you read the passion, um, it, sometimes the way it's worded, it, it, it makes it more, okay, you know what I mean? I think it just depends on the people, um, where their position and where they are with God, their walk yeah. with God. There was one lady that came to me after uh, one of the sessions, she was saying, you know, but, you know, I, I, I want to read the word, but, you know, I just, I, just, I, I get in, in front of the word and I fall asleep and, and I said, there's, but there's three different styles of learning. It's good to get in the pages and actually read the read the, the book. But if you can, I said, get you the audio version. Yeah, that's good. That means you can listen to the words while you're folding clothes, while you're washing dishes, and he's still feeding you. So, whichever, so whatever way you get him in, get him in. Yeah. If you sit and read the Bible, get if you listen to uh, the Bible app on your, whatever way, just just listen to his word. I said, and then you can be, when you listen, you can be a, a, a doer and not just a hearer only. Come on. So, and then she's like, you know, because I got a little bit of ADHD and I listen, girl. <laughs> I feel like I all the excuses. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So sometimes people's mind just be like, eh, just go all over the place. But yeah. he's made a way for each and every one of us. And he designed us. He knows how we are. He right. knows every little bit of brain issue or, you know, ADHD, ADD, OCD. He knows all of it. Yeah. And he's not afraid of it. Yeah. Just still come to him. Whatever. And I told him, I said, and please don't try to come to the Lord Queen because you can't clean <laughs> nothing. You're coming to him because you're a mess anyways. You stink, you're dirty. You know, and, and when you come, he washes you. Yeah. And it's his blood that makes us white. That's so good. But come to him whatever way you are. Come as you are. And when you come as you are, he begins to show you, hey, let's come up a little bit here. Good. No, I don't want you to do that anymore. Uh, well, why don't we try this way now? And we have to be open. Yes. We have to be open to what he says. So... Well, it goes back. It just, I'm going to always have that analogy that was given to Jay about the self-righteousness on one side, rebellion on the other, because I think a lot of people do dip into the self-righteousness. I'm raising my hand to this as well. It'll sit in that space 
And God's like, I don't, like you said, I don't need you clean to come to me. Nothing you do is going to fix you, right? So why don't you just come and submit to my will, submit to my teaching, submit to my word and allow me to train you up in a way that you've yet to be trained. And I think, yeah, go. Well, because his thoughts are higher than our right. thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. So we're the ones that made us dirty in the first place. Right, because self-righteousness generally has a, a huge air of shame. Yeah. Right? It does. So we we're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna people please here. I'm gonna show up in my titles here. I'm gonna show up with authority here. I'm gonna be this good at something, whatever it is. It could be an athlete. It could be the best speaker in the world. It could be the best musician in the world. Their self righteousness keeps them rooted because they're running from something. They're running from a core fear. They're running from a place of rejection. They're running from that place of shame, and they're trying to create a facade. And that's why when we are like children of God, when we are children of, of the kingdom, we know our perfection is only an emulation of him and his perfection. Yeah. So I don't ever have yeah. to worry about pointing to me in that regard. I don't have to wear the white robe. I can be like, he gave it to me, the, the, the cloak of many colors, right? Joseph's cloak. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, an, it's an air. It's an ownership based on air, not based on anything I did or anything you did or anything Jay did. Yes, and the thing is, is that God knows the real you. Yeah. You can hide who you are to the world, but God knows exactly who you are. Come on. So you can fake the funk with everybody else, but what he and this is the thing. No, he still wants us to come to and say, you know what? I need your help. Yeah. He good. already knows sometimes he just wants it sometimes it should be act of obedience. Yep. I, I, I will come to you. I will sit at your feet. Well, he's such a gentleman in yeah. in the first place, right? Yeah. Like he really is. He wants he wants us when when we come to him, then he says, Okay, then I can do it. Right? And I think that's the other part. We were talking about self righteousness, but yeah. the other part of that is what? Rebellion. And rebellion is written in bitterness, and normally bitterness comes from being afraid, mm. right? The other side was shame. Bitterness comes from hurt and shame and self-protection. It's good. Right? So we have both sides of those spectrums, which are rooted. Like, we don't see the roots, right? You can have a plant and you see, you ever planted a plant and then it grows up and you're, it's, in that, it's in that pot. You don't see the you roots. See you while. see the plant, but you don't see the roots. Yeah. And so where is that root coming from? When, when there is self-righteousness, there's a root. When there is uh, rebellion, there is a root. What are those roots, right? It's rebellion, it's bitterness, and self-righteousness. Well, All as you're talking, roots. I got to speak with Anthony just a, like an hour or so ago. He's in uh, another airport. Too. Yeah, he's on his way. He's on his way back from Israel. And he was sharing about the olive tree. And I'm sure he's going to want to share it next week on the show. So I don't want to steal his, his glory, his moment of, of sharing. Um, but he was talking about the grafting in. And, and as I'm seeing this visual of being on a road, there's a said plant that has grown in one self-righteousness side. There's a rebellion that is planted in another side. And then there's this tree of life in the center, which is of Christ. And we cannot think at one point that we're going to be able to graft in to the center with Christ and still be rooted in said ditch. Because it Ooh. won't live. It won't survive. No. 
And you'll constantly be going back to the source, which is that dead root, because that's where you're thriving, even when the water comes. And so that's why we're constantly like, why do I feel fed in this rebellion? Why does this give me simple satisfaction? And God's like, I've got more for you. And so in that process of his revelation and his experience with the olive tree and recognizing that the olive trees never die, the trees he saw 4,000 years old. I can't wait to unpack this 4,000 years old. It appears that they die, but from the root, new life is still birthed. And so if the tree of life is always alive, we get clipped. We literally get cut off of old root and we are regrafted in. And these new branches, this is the Gentiles. This is the revelation of the Gentiles. The Jewish was the tree of life. Those, they were the chosen ones, but we got grafted in as a Gentile. And now our root system is Christ's root system. And so that's where new DNA, new blood, that's where new beginnings. That's why we don't have to go back to our root. We don't even have to go back to our history. There is support in that. And it's important from a testimonial perspective. But that's why I feel like when people are like, how did you break that generational cycle? Right. And I know you guys can talk to that a ton. It's because you got yeah. flipped and regrafted into new life. Yeah. I think when Madeline was talking about that, that's what I was getting from when she was talking about the woman with the issue of blood, right? Yes. Like, I think that sometimes, like, we don't view the scripture and ask, like, well, what is my issue? Maybe I don't have an issue with blood. Yeah. Maybe I have an issue in my blood. Ooh, come on. Right? In my bloodline. That's good. Right? That's and really a good. lot of those things, like she says, she, it comes from family. It comes from what happened to your family. Maybe you had addicts in your family, and so you became an addict. You know what I mean? Maybe you had alcoholics in your family, so you became an alcoholic. Yeah. Or maybe you had somebody that was promiscuous, so you became promiscuous. You're like, I don't understand what's going on. It was a woman with an issue of blood. Mm. Sometimes in our blood, we have such an issue with things that it's hard to cope with life, mm. right? Depression, anxiety. It's an issue in our bloodline. So good. And what did she do? She had to go to Jesus. She had to trust in the Almighty. She had to trust in Abba Father. She had to crawl through everything that was blocking her. She had to, she had to, who wants to crawl on the dirt brown? But she was desperate. But she was willing, willing to crawl in the right direction just to touch the hem. Can I just get to the hem? Can I just get to H-I? Mm, that's good i've never heard that so good right. so I well i'm you. wondering because we've talked a lot about this even connected to surrender or submission whichever lens you take rebellion self-righteousness our bloodline whatever that looks like the word that is in my spirit based on the question that the listener might have is how do i trust how do i trust when i've never had that earthly father how do I trust that he is actually that good? How do I trust that he is actually going to bring me out of this pit and into a place of healing and salvation and new life? What does trust building look like? I think that it's just jumping off the ledge for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like adventurous. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's try right. it. Like, all, this, all the other stuff is not working in your life. Yeah. All the other things, the anxiety is not getting any better. The depression is not getting any better, right? The chaos is not getting any better. 
what was it? It was uh, I think it was Spanglish, the movie Spanglish. She was like, she was like, just, just try, just try it on, <laughs> yeah. just, just try. Yo, it was, yeah, right, just try it on, just try it on. Yeah, it's good. Try it on, see if it fits. It's really good. Well, it makes me go try back to of like this. It doesn't have to be so complicated. It doesn't have to be so difficult. Even as she was pursuing him, even though it felt like it might have been hard, in her mind, it was pretty simple. In her mind, she had already committed to the fact that if I touch him, if I touch that him, and now I'm never going to forget that, it, it'll yeah. be done. And it's by all of the people, all the miracles. It was an act of faith, as Madeline said. I just had faith, and that faith was how he showed compassion to me. Not because of my works, not because of what I have or haven't done. My faith set me free. And I just think that there's such an ease to that, that even the faith is the size of a mustard seed, right? It doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't have to be Jay jumping off of a cliff, right? But there also is, maybe there's a massive leap of faith connected to that. Like, bring me through the roof. Drop me through the roof. When I was in my pit of hell, I wanted, if anyone picked me up to bring me somewhere that was cleaner than where I was, I would have gone. And I Come think on. as you were talking, Madeline, that reminded me that even in the wilderness, when God did change his mind and did have compassion over his people, at some points, it was an advocate that went on their behalf to pray for them. Moses would plead. He'd say, God, please pardon them. They didn't mean what they did. And because Moses had a relationship with God, and that was what pardoned his people. And I think about that for myself. I think about that from you being a parent of as many kids. I don't even know if I can keep track of us. Six of them? How many is? I don't know. Five. Yeah, five. Five, okay. There you go. Six kiddos currently. I think about that as a mom and that beautiful opportunity, that responsibility, but more so like that nurtured relationship that I have with Christ allows me to intercede on behalf of children, on behalf of strangers, on behalf of my neighbors, on behalf of communities, and now on behalf of nations so that God will pardon America. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Mm. Amen. I'm thinking about, um, I forgot who it was. Oh, Elijah, when he was like, okay, well, you go ahead and call your God down and see what he does. Yes. Let's, let's see what my God does, right? Yes. You go ahead and pray to all your lowercase G gods. So good. Okay, whenever, hey, sidebar, whenever you're talking about Jesus Christ, please use a capital G. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but even that, or even like in watching The Chosen, right? Mm-hmm. There's this guy, there's this woman, she's full of demons. So in the chosen, Nicodemus goes to try to cast the devil out of her. She looks at him and she goes, we're not afraid of you. Mm-hmm. You have no power. You have no power. And he said, she can only be saved by the Messiah himself. So then when he sees her completely transformed, he's like, how did this happen? Yeah. And then everybody's getting a whiff of this, oh, well, this person got healed. That person got healed. This person, okay, I'm trying to get to the one who's healing. Right? So sometimes it's the people around you or the, the things that you hear. And it's the testimonies. Mm-hmm. It's the testimonies, I think, that will cause people to trust. We overcome by the word of the testimony and the, the blood, blood of the land. Yes, yeah, the blood of the land. So when you hear people say, well, this is how he freed me. So then they say, well, if, 
mm, I don't know if he can do it for me. Well, let me tell you my story. Yeah. Do you see where I am? Do you hear where I was? It can happen for you if you want it. And I think sometimes when you're around people, and even if your faith may not be strong enough yet, the, the people around you, their faith for you to be free can cause you to say, you know what, I'm going to give this guy a try. Yeah, it's okay. Because what I will say is my dad, you know, he grew up in, um, like, you know, he went to all-boys Catholic school and Episcopalian church and all these things. But my dad searched and searched and searched and searched for all these lowercase g gods to fill this thing. Now, my mom was, she loved the Lord and she, you know, came from a grandmother and family that loved the Lord and stuff. So she knew Jesus, but he wasn't convinced. But he, this way, that way, this way, that way. And sometimes it takes you having an encounter with God. Mm. There's one gentleman, his name is David Fritch. And he told this testimony of how he went up to Salem during the middle of their witch convention. And he went in there and he spoke to this one particular woman. and. At that moment, her life was completely changed because it's the little things that Jesus knows about you that he can tap into that place. I don't care what you were. This woman was an actual witch. Come on. And the Lord spoke to her through a willing vessel that yeah. completely changed her life, and she turned her life around. Mm. Sometimes it takes the Lord talking to you and speaking to you and giving a very intimate detail that only you know about yeah and then how do you know this how do you but then you feel as you always feel his love yeah you never feel condemned with god so good he doesn't come to condemn he comes to free and save and make you new in him so i feel like when it comes to the trust i think sometimes when you hear people and you see yeah try try whatever you want for yourself <laughs> But what you were going to find out is that he is the real deal, holy field. He is the cream of the crop. He is top shelf. Come he is on. the best of the best. You know what I'm saying? Like one, one poem, he said, I'm the best drink mixer. I'm like, hey, <laughs> every time the Lord makes you a drink, it's going to, everything about him is always good. In the times I spent with him in the garden, the weather was always perfect. Perfect amount of sun and warm. Perfect amount of breeze. Like, it's always perfect because he is the perfect one. So and he put, And he put on all of our junk. If Adam would have did it right, we wouldn't have to have Jesus. Right. But he walked this life, and he knew what was going to happen in the end, but he still chose. He still chose. And watching The Chosen, I don't know if you've seen it. Please watch it. So good. Because the Jesus that they described, I feel like, is the real Jesus because he was funny. Yeah. He was gentle. And even when one of the Pharisees was, well, how do you do this? And you're not supposed to do this. The law, 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 law. In his eyes in the, in the show, he just looked at him. He said, no, no, let him finish because Peter was ready to like, you know. Oh, Peter yeah. Was <laughs> he was, boy. Peter was already ready. And he said, no, 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 let him finish. And he just looked at him with, it, it was almost like, I wish you would just see me. Yeah. Because I'm here to change the law. But the, the compassion in his eyes, mm. you know, God ain't afraid of whatever little bitty stuff you've got going on. 
because that thing has to bow to him. Yes. And that is where surrender comes into play because surrender and victory, right? He is victorious over all. And so that's where I feel like the enemy has to surrender, has surrendered. We have victory over that. And that is where we get to submit to that victor, right? So it's, it is this beautiful, beautiful storyline. It's the Bible is your story too. And that's what I love so much about it. Sometimes when I'm reading, it is a story of God. It's his story. And I'm not looking to to create a story for Tamara in here. But when I understand his love, I can understand the glory that my story will have through my testifying because of him, because of his goodness, because of what he did. And the chosen is, oh, girl, I, I could watch that all day long. I, my kids have watched it and they're little. And even they understand it and have expectancy every time they watch it for what's going to be taught. This has been such a treasure. We could keep talking for our days. I love y'all. You're so cute. <laughs> I just want to tell you, Tamara, um, I love you so much and I'm so proud of you. I remember when I first met you and to see where you are now, I know it's God. And I know, and then sometimes you see in other people, you're like, only God could do that. Just like Nicodemus said, only God can do that. So just how he's blessed your marriage, how he's blessed your life and your family, how he's blessed your children and all of what you're doing to pour into others. I am so proud of you as a sister, as a friend. I mean, I, this is what, do you guys see her? (laughs) This is what you can have if you trust in the Lord, whatever he has. So this is her lane and you are moving in your lane so beautifully. We have a different lane, but all the lanes come together and work together. You know, the pinky is still needed just like the thumb, just like the neck, just like the head. So I'm just so happy that you're doing what you're doing and you're touching so many lives. Thank you for having me on here. I was blessed. I'm so glad it it was an impromptu and it was so good. And I just, I see the grafting in, right? Like we're all connected to one tree line, one DNA, one name. That's what makes it so rich. But you said earlier about David Fritch and you were that person for me and Gary, when you beeline for us after that dang service at Parkway. And I'm like, how does she know my dirty laundry? (laughs) I have a lot. Come do my load. And it was, so good and it's been those are those moments those revelatory moments that you go okay god i'll finally listen i I, i'll finally i'll finally look to you and not just know about you i want to know you there's a huge difference and you guys have been Mm -hmm. such agents to that for me and gary and so we love you guys so much so grateful that we got to have hubby and wife on thanks for sharing her yeah yeah wow love you All right, quick interruption, but actually it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper, not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family, be a part of the foundation of what the founder collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. 
And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly founder collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. Additionally, we're inviting you to our annual conference. This is be our third annual conference. It's taking place November 8th through the 11th. You can go to thefoundercon.com. Again, that's thefoundercon.com. And you'll get to hear people like Jay worship and teach and share from his testimony. Anthony, Pastor Anthony, the bearded wonder. (laughs) He's going to come to you with his fiery flaming shoes and his voice and the belly, the fire that's within his belly comes out in such a dynamic way when it's on stage. Myself, my team, and all the incredible people who are part of this family, it's not just us. And we want you to be in on the us because we want to make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited. You're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the link. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning. This is a call. This is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in him as a founder in the Founder Collective. 